0: You're listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network,
1: where we offer you podcasts of the supernatural and the unexplained. Get ready now for Shades of the Afterlife with Sandra Champlain. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only.
2: I'd like to start out our episode today telling you some mighty good news. Our first film, Rinaldi, Instrumental Trans Communication, to the other side, has just won an award. It was entered in the Life Beyond Life Film Festival in Torino, Italy. And just yesterday, it was announced it was voted Best Afterlife Research Film in 2022. So that's Pretty big news! Very excited, and a shout out to the creator of the film, our friend Robert Lyon, who hosts our website, WeDon'tDieFilms.com. He will continue and make more fabulous documentaries, so you want to keep an eye on that. Also, a shout out to our Sonia Rinaldi, who you've heard me talk about her before. For over 30 years, has been capturing voices and now images of loved ones in the afterlife. And it's so amazing to see her work, share her words. You can hear from her on episode one of Shades of the Afterlife. And it's a big day. It's big news. And I'm very excited. So that's the first film festival it's been entered in. And I'm so grateful that it won. This past week, a friend and person that I interviewed passed away. Robin Foy, who was on episode 56, Witnessing the Impossible, died peacefully at his home this past week. His son says no ceremony, no funeral. He just wanted everybody to lift a glass in his memory. A very good man he and his wife, Sandra, had investigated physical mediumship, psychic phenomena, the afterlife for over 40 years. And he was a real pioneer with what was called the skull Experiment. And a group of people started this experiment in a basement in the 1990s, looking for evidence of the afterlife. And to say witnessing the impossible is an understatement. They had rolls of film in a camera that was never used. And after they sat in darkness, there were images on the film. He tells a story on our episode 56 of a newspaper that was brought into the room from out of nowhere. And it was dated during the World War II times. And it was tested. It was as if it was just printed, absolutely brand new. So perhaps... Brought in from a different time. The stories are endless. And he was an older man when he passed, but he kept on working up until that final day. I know he is going to be working on behalf of humanity from the other side, but we will miss him for sure. So if you haven't yet heard episode 56, Witnessing the Impossible, please make sure you do in honor of Robin Foy. You know, when we lose someone we care for, It's so difficult, even though I have been on this journey for 25 years, it still doesn't get easy, and it doesn't occur as death is a good thing. Part of our human makeup, I believe, is to forget who we really are, you know, souls having a human experience, and we buy into most days, most hours, the thought that we're going to disappear someday. And it'll be over. Of course, we do continue. But I just want to say for myself and probably for you, depending on how much research you've done into the afterlife, even witnessing the impossible, I feel like I've witnessed full blown miracles. And I still wake up in the morning kind of pinching myself. Is it real or was it just a dream? Still questioning. I don't think we ever have it handled to a point where we feel comfortable with death. And I think even those last moments that we are on earth, there is this fear of the unknown. Of course, there are billions and billions of people that have gone before us. So we will make it fine. Okay, over there. But it is human to have that fear. You know, we all have that voice inside of us, that ego. And it doesn't want to go anywhere. It doesn't want us to take chances, risks. It tells us to be afraid and... That voice of fear, I feel, is that ego, the one that doesn't want us to take that last breath. I know from everything I've witnessed and everyone I've spoken to that we go on. And I think what's very comforting is that there are people that come to help us cross into the unseen world. Whether you call them spirit guides, angels, our loved ones, there's so much research that we get this terminal lucidity, and we can actually see into the beyond. So many people say, oh, it's so beautiful over there. And they have these last statements just before they pass, which reassure us that they see where they're going. So although we'll be fine, it's still hard to let go. Another friend who has passed is Mellon Thomas Benedict. And you can listen to the show I had hearing his words on episode 45. He had had a near-death experience, and he came back to be an inventor and a very wise spiritual person. And in thinking of Robin Foy today and Mr. Benedict, I thought also of Rosemary Ellen Guiley, she is someone I spoke to years ago, and she passed away not too, too long ago from cancer. And I thought, I have a great conversation with her recorded, and I thought this could be an in-memoriam celebration of life of some really good people who were afterlife pioneers. So if you don't mind, I'd like to share with you some words from Rosemary. Rosemary. She's a lady who has written and published more than 65 books on many topics, but her search for the truth and the search for the afterlife was a full-time job for her, and she'd been in this field for 35 years. She had been all over television and radio appearances and lecturing, and so now I'd like to introduce you to some words from Rosemary with a conversation I had with her a few years back when we were both on our way to speak at an afterlife conference.
3: Sandra, it's such a pleasure to talk with you today. It's been a lifelong journey, and I've been very privileged to have my personal spiritual journey be part of my professional uh, journey as well. I've had a lifelong interest in these topics from a very early age. I I also was a writer. As soon as I could make letters with a crayon or, or a pencil, I was writing something. And for me, the mysteries of the unknown always pulled me. I did have an influence from family. Uh, My mother was a prolific psychic dreamer. She had other experiences as well. My mother, my older sister, and I all had our own interactions with the unseen realms that were unique to each of us. But my mother especially had a lot of precognitive dreams. And some of them, of course, were unsettling dreams because they dealt with forewarnings of deaths of people she knew. I was uh, in my uh, tween years when mom started sharing a lot of these dreams with me and her anxieties about them. Now, to me, the idea that we could dream the future, uh, any future, in a reliable way just fascinated me. And uh, I started turning more attention to dreams. I got books on dreams. Uh, I started keeping a dream journal over the course of the next few years. I had done pretty much a self-study course in how to project astrally in dreams, visit distant locations, send and receive messages with friends, what we would call today remote view places with uh, some accuracy. I had enough successes that it convinced me that dreams were absolutely amazing. They were amazing mechanisms that reached beyond time and space into afterlife, uh, into past lives. Uh, And of course, the more I learned about dreams, the most important aspect of them all is that they tell us so much about ourselves, and they reflect to us the truth of how we feel we're really doing in life. And they point out imbalances and also give us the solutions to our problems if we pay attention to them so that triggered a lot of interest then that then started spreading. I was already interested in ghosts and, uh, you know, mysterious creatures, aliens, UFOs. So I've had uh, kind of a Jill of all trades, what I now call the Renaissance woman. Uh, And I think that people who are researchers in these fields, metaphysical and paranormal, we have to be Renaissance men and women today. We have to have working knowledges across a broad range of topics in order to to really be effective and understand the focus of our studies Mm -hmm. so that's what really launched me on this path I got into uh, divination I studied the tarot I studied energy healing, I became a paranormal investigator, I started pursuing studies in the afterlife and reincarnation, and the other end of the spectrum, uh, entity contact experiences of all kinds and how people are changed by them, all these things tie together. And uh, underneath it all uh, has been this underpinning of dreams. And uh, I became a dream facilitator, Uh, I started doing lay uh, dream work for individuals and groups, I took a lot of Jungian courses uh, at the Young Center in New York City on dreams and the psychology of dreams. Uh, and dreams are still very important to me as uh, a compass that we can use to orient ourselves. Now, Sandra, over the course of time in studying dreams and in talking to people about their dreams, I collected quite a few accounts of people who had had contact with the dead, And even though the experiences seemed to be part of dreams, like lucid dreams, or they had dreamlike qualities to them, people were convinced that they had had actual, real, even physical contact with departed loved ones. And they wanted to know, is this so? Because many therapists uh, will tell people, oh, it's just wish fulfillment. No, it didn't really happen. It just seemed like it did. Right. So, I started studying dream visits from the dead. And uh, of course, uh, since I considered dreams a pathway to other realities, it made perfect sense to me that they could be a bridge between the afterlife and the world of the living, uh, where we can have these literally reunions. So, that's kind of the background that paved the way for things concerning dreams and the afterlife.
2: Let's take our first break now. And when we come back, we'll hear some more words from Rosemary, who no doubt is keeping very busy in the afterlife. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity Presents
4: Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
0: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.
2: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are listening to a past conversation I had with the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And she was just talking about being in contact with loved ones through dreams. Let's continue.
3: You know, another offshoot of that was the black mirror as another way to have contact. And I know nothing about the black mirror. The black mirror is a wonderful tool for a variety of purposes, and uh, through my work in the paranormal and studying occultism, I was familiar with the use of black mirrors. They've been used throughout history for divination and for magical purposes, for seeing into the future and into the past, but it was in the 1990s when um, I read Dr. Raymond Moody's book, Reunions, that I was just galvanized to employ them as a tool for contacting the dead. And uh, I had studied a lot of mythology. Like uh, Dr. Moody, I was familiar with the ancient Greeks and their Mm -hmm. techniques for using uh, dark places and dark surfaces as a way of contacting the dead. When I read his book about the use of the black mirror, and I already had a black mirror, and and I, I, I used it for psychic development. It's a wonderful tool for sharpening up your psychic uh, faculties. I thought, this is really something that can benefit people. And uh, Dr. Moody had coined the term psychomantium, place of the spirit, a place where you would go in a dimly lit room to gaze into a mirror that had a black surface instead of a silver surface with the intention of evoking contact with the dead. And he had worked with hundreds of volunteers to refine this process. Well, I contacted Dr. Moody and um, I went down to Alabama to his home to have my own psychomanting experience with him and it was an amazing journey. We did a lot of pre-intention setting, like uh, what was my purpose for being there? Who did I want to contact? Dr. Moody would ask, well, tell me about your relationship and what worked about it and what didn't. And uh, and then I had my, my time in the psychomantium, which was a converted walk-in closet with a <laughs> giant black mirror in it. Wow. And It was such a powerful experience. So after that, then, I took some training from Dr. Moody. He offered mirror facilitation classes for people who wanted to use the black mirror to help other people in whatever purpose. So I took his training class. Uh, Now, I'm not a licensed psychotherapist, so uh, I was not using it in that way. I've always used things as a lay facilitator. Yes. Uh, So I started doing workshops in the black mirror as a way to contact the dead. And I experimented a lot with myself to refine techniques that I wanted to use for induction, for helping people to uh, visualize, to hear, to feel, to sense, and then helping them process that on the uh, outcome after they came, literally came back out of the mirror. And over the years, I've been doing these for quite a few years now, They've been uh, quite successful. People have had astounding experiences, even beginners who've never meditated, never had done any psychic development work. Even beginners can have profound experiences in the mirror. So uh, one of the things that was an obstacle was supply of mirrors. And I couldn't find a good commercial supply of mirrors. So my husband and I started making them.
2: Good for you. I looked online for black mirrors once I heard your topic. I'm like, where do you get one? Uh,
3: you can buy, uh, you know, like little discs of like blackened glass. But I wanted something that evoked, yes, a feeling, an atmosphere. I wanted um, a nice frame, the setting of the room. I I go to great lengths, uh, as much as I can, in any given setting. I do these in private homes and hotels and. Back rooms of bookshops and... places like that. But uh, my husband, Joe, and I, we have several dozen what we call class mirrors. And these are simple framed, black frames, black mirrors, lightweight that we can easily take from location to location so that people don't have to buy a mirror in order to have the experience. Try it out. See if it's for you. We energize them and cleanse them for every session. So uh, this has been one of my most, I would say, rewarding events. And along the way, Sandra, we've had phenomena that have occurred in the uh, scrying room. Scrying is an old term. It's an old English term, by the way, that means to discern dimly. Okay. And uh, I opted to use the term scrying as, as opposed to gazing because it evokes something it mysterious. Yes. But uh, it's not unusual. It doesn't happen every time, but it's not unusual for visitors I mean, the mirror work literally attracts visitors. It attracts spirit helpers, angels, spirit guides. It attracts uh, the dead uh, who uh, are coming called in by the people who are using the mirrors. For some people, it's going to be an intensely private experience that only they have. And sometimes these phenomena break out in the room. And other people, uh, multiple people will experience them. We've had footsteps. We've had uh, the sounds of drumming, chanting, Gregorian chant. We've had people feeling like they were touched or hugged on their shoulders. Uh, they're convinced it's me uh, walking around the room if they have their eyes closed. And I don't walk around the room uh, when people are in the mirror. Right. So it can be a, quite a phenomenal experience. Rosemary, if you wouldn't mind, just walk us through a little
2: bit, like what it would look like. And then maybe if you could give us some stories of just some of the things that have happened. So maybe people got reconnected or or something. Could you do that?
3: Sure. At the beginning, uh, I talk just a little bit about what a black mirror is, what its history is as a dark scrying surface, why it's so powerful. I have a a conditioning session where uh, I have people hold the mirror and uh, give them some techniques for energizing the mirror. First, we clear the surface of the mirror. Even though I've already uh, cleared and energized the mirrors in general, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's important for people to put their own energy into the mirror. And so we go through some exercises where we clear the surface of the mirror using energy from our hands and channeling it from uh, the divine source of all being, and we energize the mirror, and then I have them practice looking into the mirror and evoking things, uh, and I give them instructions for for doing specifics to think of something in their mind and then look into the mirror and experience it in the mirror. Now, experience that an individual person has is going to vary person by person. And for some people, all the action is going to be in the mirror. They are able to see things in the mirror. Uh, They might hear sounds. They might feel presences around them. But the mirror seems to be the source of all of that. For other people, it's all going to be in their heads. There's something about the mirror that turns the switch on psychically, and then all the action takes place on the inner screen. And for other people, it's going to be a bounce between the two. The two will work in conjunction with each other. So people need to be prepared for what to expect. I don't try to tell people what they're going to see, but that these are ways that you're going to experience things, so pay attention to everything. And then, I have a guided meditation to relax people, and we treat the mirror as a doorway, a doorway to a bridge between the afterlife and the world of the living. And so I take people into this bridge, and then once once they are in the mirror, so to speak, the journey becomes their private journey, and that lasts for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes, people get fatigued, Uh, the psychic eye gets fatigued, especially if people haven't worked it much. I just kind of gauge the energy in the room as time goes by. And then I bring people back out of the mirror, recenter them in the body and invite discussion. It's really wonderful when people feel comfortable about speaking up. The, The customary reaction of like, well, this happened to me, but if I talk about it, everybody's going to think I'm crazy. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's an, an automatic reaction. I
2: know that feeling.
3: Yes. <laughs> but if they do, there are probably other people in the room who've had similar experiences. So it's, and then they pipe up. So it's very validating. For some people, the experience is very intense and involves multiple sensory phenomena. People do not automatically contact the person they set out to contact. And Dr. Moody discusses this in reunions as well. That, for example, we can set an intention. Let's say uh, we want, we want to see, um, our deceased father. Uh, and we can set an intention to see dad, but maybe it's someone else who comes forward. Uh, and it's purposeful that there's something else that we need to deal with, or a message needs to be given. The The wonderful thing about the mirror experience is that it has what I call an afterglow. It often opens the doorway to meaningful dreams, sometimes encounter dreams, to inspirations, waking visions, and other experiences that start to flesh things out. No matter what happens uh, in the mirror, it's meaningful. So I've had people describe, uh, for example, I, I can think of uh, one gentleman who uh, contacted an uncle who had died in uh, World War II. And uh, he could uh, see this man's face in considerable detail. They carried on a mental conversation. He could hear Other sounds related to World War II, in the environment, he felt uh, physical presence of his uncle in the room as though he were standing there. It was an intense emotional experience for him.
2: We're going to take a moment here just to talk before we go to the break. I feel really moved that I get to share this conversation with you, with Rosemary's words. You can find her book called The Art of Black Mirror Scrying on Amazon, wherever you buy books. Her name is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, last name spelled G-U-I-L-E-Y. And if you're an Amazon shopper, I'm also looking and there's a bunch of black obsidian scrying mirror and they range in all kinds of prices, but I think you may enjoy reading her words, as well as listening to them now, and perhaps looking into developing this way of communication. There are different ways to communicate. And like I say on many times, when we get into the present moment, that is the access way in. And I can't help but believe that black mirror scrying is one of those entryways. So let's take our next break. And when we come back, we'll see what else Rosemary has to say. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other
4: At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex.
2: Who's with us?
4: Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
2: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are listening to stories from Rosemary Ellen Guiley of things that have happened using black mirror scrying. Let's continue.
3: The one uh, experience where we had uh, the sound of drumming in the room, uh, this was in a, a big con- uh, conference. Center. It was like a convention center. And uh, we were in one of the meeting rooms and um, uh, I had everybody sit up Uh, front in the room. This was a long, rectangular room. I had everybody sit up front. And all the light, I mentioned this for a reason, all the light switches to the room were way in the back by the door. So I had just gotten people started on their personal journey into the mirror, and we had the lights dimmed. And all of a sudden, the lights came on full force, as though someone had flipped all the switches. And, uh, so I, I just told every, everybody, you know, just, you know, hold the energy, continue your journey. Uh, and I went to the back of the room and I redimmed the lights and I came back up to my chair in the front of the room. And what I try to do during the personal journey is hold space, you know, that I'm in a meditative state too. Uh, and I play, um, I like to play 432 hertz music in the background, which is very conducive to uh, good meditative states. I became aware of this very faint drumming sound, and it seemed to emanate from one corner of the room, and it got louder and louder. Now, I didn't say anything because you don't want to break people's concentrations, but it sounded like someone was sitting in the corner of the room doing Native American drumming. At the end of uh, the session where we're talking, I mentioned that I had heard this drumming. I said, did anyone else hear that? And quite a few of the people in the class did. Well, there was a Native American woman sitting up front near that corner, and she piped up and said that, The purpose of her journey in the mirror was to reconnect with uh, her shaman, her teacher, who had passed on. And uh, we all felt that the drumming was part of that experience. It was clearly Native American, and she was the only Native American person in the room. And she had done this kind of shamanic journey into the mirror. We've had um, visual apparitions of gods and angels goddesses uh, stand in the room. Uh, People have seen them. We've had angelic presences on quite a few occasions where people often close their eyes. Uh, They open their eyes and look into the mirror and then close their eyes and and go within. And people have often seen these uh, pillars of light manifest in, in the room, which they feel are angels and uh, and and I feel that the angelic presence is with us, too. We set a sacred circle before we start. We invoke the presence of benevolent beings and guides and helpers uh, to be within that sacred circle. And uh, they do come. Now, some people don't seem to have much of an experience, or they think they don't. They look into the mirror. They have a hard time focusing. Mm-hmm. Their mind wanders. And they look into the mirror and maybe they just see things like shots of light going across the mirror or the mirror gets kind of cloudy or milky, but nothing else happens. And that's still in a, a significant experience because when you can see shifts like that in the mirror, it's the opening of the astral plane. So it's like getting your toe in the water what what i tell people is that well you probably had more of an experience than you realize if you think back over some of the things that maybe came into your your mental screen and thoughts during that process but you got the door open. And so tonight when you go to sleep, ask for more information, ask for something else to be shown to you. And many people find that they do have what I call this afterglow, something else occurs. And it was the mirror really that opened the doorway for it. I would think, Rosemary,
2: that it's like building a muscle too. Once you realize that this is real, you know, we just can't become a bodybuilder overnight. We have to practice, you know, and I, I, get this instinct, especially, you know, I've doubled in different things as well, not nearly as much as you have, but I really believe that there's this energetic world that's happening all around us and we just can't see it. And a lot of people say it's the veil or, or whatever, but by scrying with the black mirror, it just starts opening that up and it and starts opening that that faculty within us, and I can see with more and more practice, you know, just the sky's the limit, and I'm so excited that you're sharing right now, because like I said, this is something I didn't even know existed, but what an awesome, awesome tool.
3: It is an awesome tool. I consider it to be incredibly powerful, and it has multiple purposes. I mean, not only can you use it as a bridge to the afterlife, uh, you can ask for information about your past lives. Uh, you can look into the future. You can visit the Akashic records. Um, the use of the mirror sharpens your psychic faculty because you're using your psychic senses while, uh, while you're employing it. You can work with a partner. You can use it in a group. I have paranormal investigators who take one of my black mirrors with with them on many investigations. And uh, most groups have a sensitive or a psychic medium that's part of the team. And this person will often use the mirror as another tool for getting information. Uh, I've used it in seance circles. Uh, Last fall, I was uh, at the um, Omni uh, Springs Resort in uh, Bedford, uh, Pennsylvania, a gorgeous uh, facility that uh, has uh, a lot of Victorian-era uh, residual ghosts in it. And uh, so I was participating in a day-long seminar of ghost investigations, lectures, and then uh, one night uh, we, we did a, a seance. We uh, had a, a number of tools we were working with, but at one point in the seance, and we're all sitting around a very large table We put one of my black mirrors in the middle as a focal point, and I asked everybody to put their energy into the mirror to help the manifestation of whoever needed to speak. Um, Now, there were two of us who were like the principal – um, I guess you would say the mediums in that, uh, myself and another woman. And then there were some participants also that had very good mediumistic ability that started speaking up. But uh, we gave our impressions as, uh, as we got them. Uh, we made uh, contact with people whose names and personalities and personal histories were verified by others present. Messages were given and this was all videotaped, and uh, at one point in, this, in the seance, um, I could literally see kind of like a mist coming out of the mirror, clairvoyantly. A few others saw it as well. This was captured on the camera. Uh, it wasn't captured as a mist coming out of the mirror, but something unusual going on the mirror's surface itself. Uh, it was... Uh, uncanny corroboration of of the power of this instrument.
2: Rosemary, I want to ask, too, a lot of the people attending this symposium are people that have lost a loved one, even though they're not lost, you know, they're lost to us in the flesh. Do you notice a difference from the participants who walk in to one of your workshops and who they are walking out? Is there more joy? Is there... The state of wonder, what do you notice is the difference that these workshops make in people's lives?
3: overall uh, a positive effect. Uh, I mean, there there are a few people who, you know, they don't feel they've had much of an experience and it's kind of like, oh, eh, well, that was interesting. Uh, you're always going to get a few of those, but for the majority, it's a powerful experience. And some people come in, they believe in the afterlife. They're looking for a particular contact. Uh, they want validation. The mirror gives them validation in the reality of survival. Uh, And then other people come that they're not certain if there is such a thing. They would like, they would hope that there is, but they're not certain. And so the mirror gives them evidence that's very convincing to them. It can be a very emotional experience, of course, as you can imagine. Tears, people being, uh, you know, just kind of overcome emotionally. I've never had anyone... Literally become overcome. But I tell people that if the experience gets to be too intense, just pull yourself back. Just imagine that you are pulling back from the energetic link and center yourself in your chair. You're free to get up and go out quietly if you feel it's necessary. I've never had anyone do that. But at any point, you can pull back from the experience uh, because you are in control of it. And that's something that beginners especially want to know, you know, is this going to be something that's out of my control?
2: For me, you're giving me a taste of something that I didn't even know existed. But years ago in the world of running, uh, no one had ever run a four-minute mile. It was just impossible. And then lo and behold, I don't know what year it was. Oh, and sometime in the 50s, Roger Bannister ran the first four-minute mile. And then after that, everybody could run a four-minute mile. I think there's something about learning new things and and getting our mind to believe it's possible. And once we have that inner belief, uh, suddenly... I think miracles can occur, you know, strange synchronicities, wonderful synchronicities, um, opening up to scrying and having an experience. It's like, wow, what else is possible? So I absolutely
3: love that you're doing this. And me too. Um, There is one other thing I'd like to address, Sandra, about the control aspect of it. We set a sacred circle. To invite only the benevolent, positive experiences, the loved ones, uh, the spirit guides, the angels, the spirit masters, we only invite those to be present, to witness and participate. Uh, I've never had anyone say they've had a bad experience in the mirror. The worst is people feel nothing happens for them in the mirror, very little I think this is a good
2: time to think about our break. And as I was listening to Rosemary, it's been about four years since I talked to her, but there are some things that kind of hit me, like, I'm not sure I believe in this. I don't know if that's the case with you. Chances are you've been listening to the show for a while, and I've said things that you say, Ooh, I don't really know about that. Sometimes when things seem too good to be true, they are, but other times they're not. What I ask is you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You listen to see what tugs on your soul as something you want to try or that you might be interested in or figuring out that The mirror may lead us into psychic abilities, things like that. So, like I said, we're all adults. Take what fits, use it. What doesn't, throw it away. Let's take our break. You're listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other.
4: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
0: With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.
2: Welcome back to Shades of the Afterlife. I'm Sandra Champlain, and we are listening to the late Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Although Rosemary has passed, her website is still functioning. Her website is visionaryliving.com. Now, some of the links don't work. The shop isn't opened And obviously, the contact button does not work. But there's some things you can still read about her, read about her books. There are blog posts on the afterlife, on dreams, on psychic skills and spirituality and so much more. So you can check it out. As we continue, we'll see what else she has to say about black mirror scrying.
3: This is a very powerful psychic tool, and people need to know that. I have preached meditation for all of my professional life, because I've been a meditator for most of my adult life. And uh, that is the best way to prepare yourself to limber up those psychic muscles. Uh, you talked about working muscles. It's like going to the psychic gym. Well, if you meditate, <laughs> even for a few minutes every day, uh, you're going to uh, fertilize the field for more effective results, no matter what tool you use. And by
2: meditation, do you mean Letting the thoughts go and maybe concentrating on our breath.
3: Yes. I've studied various kinds of meditation. I've studied Eastern meditation. Uh, I got very involved in Zen meditation uh, many years ago and also active Western meditation. And so I think that uh, I use a variety of techniques. Sometimes I use meditation to just clear and center to try and empty as much out as I can. And other times I use what would be called Western active meditation where I set an intention for something to use that meditation state to set an intention and uh, intention setting needs to be at as high a level as as possible it's it's not for material things it's for spiritual things and so the goal needs to be on you know a a much higher level so i use a combination of those and uh, some people think that um they can't possibly clear their minds. Well, uh, you would have to be uh, a very adept meditator to completely clear your mind, to, to get into one of those higher states. Mm-hmm. And Zen recognizes that. Uh, Zen has many techniques for the arising of thoughts. And in Zen, thoughts are going to arise. That's the way the mind works. And when distracting thoughts arise, here's how you let them go. I go through that actually in the preparation for uh, working with, with the black mirror is that, um, we're not going to be able to maintain a hundred percent focus every single minute, but there are ways to refocus. Right. Recenter yourself. I'm so
2: excited about this. Personally, you know, my dad used to have a great expression, if in doubt, don't. So if you're listening to this and it's just not your kind of thing, that's fine. But if it is, bring to it the excitement, bring to it love, bring to it intention, bring to it, like, this is going to be a fabulous experience You know, with the unknown is okay, you know, and it may not be something that you get this great aha visualization or anything, but the person next to you might get that reconnection. It's just, I think if we bring to it wonder, um, so many things are possible and love.
3: Absolutely. Great.
2: Rosemary, would you mind if we touched on dreams a little bit? Dreams can be all over the place, but I... I've had so many people ask me, you know, I had this really vivid dream of my grandmother. Does that mean she's there? You know, and yeah, if you could just touch on the dream world a little. And did you write, have you written a book on dreams?
3: Yes, I have a book called Dream Messages from the Afterlife, Visits Beautiful. from the Dead. Okay. And uh, then in terms of the Black Mirror, I have the guidebook for is called The Art of Black Mirror Scrying. Uh, dream Messages from the Afterlife uh, talks about, Makes the case for how the dead visit us in dreams, why dreams are one of the most common. Uh, mediums for the manifestation of someone who's passed on. And uh, this tradition goes back into ancient times. And uh, I focus again on the Greeks, uh, and also the Egyptians. And um, I focus on Western culture, because that's our heritage, even though these kinds of dreams exist globally. But since ancient times, people have viewed the dream as a way to have access to the spirit world, world, including the dead. And some of those attitudes have shifted over time, uh, understandably. If the dead are going to be able to visit us, it's more likely to happen in a dream than any other way. People can have waking visitations. Uh, Bill and Judy Guggenheim, who wrote the bestseller Hello from Heaven, Yes. They, years ago, they cataloged 12 ways that the dead are likely to make themselves known, and two of them involve dreams. Um, so there are other ways, too, that we can experience the presence, but the dream is especially powerful, uh, because it becomes a real experience within the framework of dreaming consciousness. People can have physical sensation, they will uh, hug, kiss, touch uh, the deceased person. Communication is telepathic. It's not verbal. They have a sense of physical presence that they're in an environment that is real but not real, if that makes any sense. And the dreams have a purpose. It's to deliver a message or a reassurance. They're usually fairly short. And in fact, quite interestingly, uh, sometimes the dead will comment, I haven't got much time, so here's what I have to say. Hmm. Or that it takes a lot of energy to get one of these bridges together, So and it doesn't last long. And there seems to be something that has to happen on our side as well as the other side. Not everybody's going to have one of these dreams, no matter how badly you want one. Mm-hmm. They involve circumstances of spiritual frequencies energy consciousness conditions on the other side that we may not have any inkling of it has to be the right combination and in fact uh, I've had uh, examples of people have used proxies because they can't get through to the person they would like to because of as one dead woman said because of the way he dreams I can't get through to him so I'm coming to you please give him the message oh that's funny and I, And I call that proxy dreaming. Okay. But, um, most of these dreams are for reassurance. Uh, the dead want us to know that they're still here. You know, they, they didn't go into oblivion. They are still who they, they were, who they are. There is an afterlife. They're well. And they will often say things like, please don't worry about me. Please don't grieve. We're going to grieve anyway. That's just part of the human process, but they want to reassure us that they are not lost to us. Thank you.
2: Now, there's some questions I should be asking you that I haven't. And I'd love to know more about your website. And I know you have a a newsletter that you do and um, to brag about yourself for a couple minutes.
3: (laughs) Well, my personal website is visionaryliving.com. I have a blog and articles uh, that I've posted. I also have another website, and from Visionary Living, you can also jump to that website or go straight there to my publishing website, visionarylivingpublishing.com, and that includes uh, all of the books that my company has published. It's got descriptions of the books, the authors, and uh, also uh, hot links for if you want to get copies. I'm so excited that we spoke today. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, especially to acquaint people with something like uh, the Black Mirror process. Yes. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to the Afterlife Conference in September in Scottsdale. I've uh, presented there um, twice before. It's an absolutely fabulous event. Oh, Rosemary, thank you so much for being our guest today. Sandra, thank you for this opportunity to have a wonderful discussion with you and uh, certainly look forward to seeing you in Scottsdale in September.
2: A little confession here. I edited out the part where we went into great detail about the conference because it's already happened. And the truth is, because of COVID... It's put a bit of a stop to so many conferences and things going on. I am carrying the torch forward for some big afterlife conventions coming up. No dates planned. I need to wait until we all feel that it's comfortable to travel again, that we can be in close proximity in one conference room together and make sure that everybody feels safe. But rest assured, On the horizon will be a big group of people talking all things afterlife with some great medium, demonstrations, and great workshops, lots of fun, and so much more. It's really in my heart to unite people that speak the same language, the language of being in the inquiry of the afterlife. You would think that I would have close friends and family members that I can share this with, but I don't. I live with my mom and bless her. She lets me tell my stories, but the eyebrow goes up like, could this all be your imagination? And of course, I've asked myself the very same thing. That's what it is to be human. But if we can meet, whether it's online, one of our courses or our Sunday gathering or our Facebook group, it helps to have friends that speak the same language. When times get tough, There's someone to talk to, someone to lift you out of it, someone to help remind you of the bigger picture and that you're this powerful soul having the human experience. And there are times when things are tough that you can ask yourself, what is my soul learning right now? What new experience? What am I learning that I'll be able to share and help someone else in the future? We came to this earth to learn, to grow, to experience, and... Like the oyster that gets a little bit of grit or sand in it, it develops into a pearl. Our life is about circumstances that are not comfortable and people (laughs) that can really be that irritant in our oyster, but they can groom us into being the most perfect pearl. So don't be so hard on yourself. Life is tough, but we're in this together and you are surrounded by love from the other side. I want to remind you that our home base is wedontdie.com. Up at the top, you can join our Facebook group. You can join our next free Sunday gathering with a medium demonstration within each and every one. We have online classes. You can watch them by doing the replays and get in touch with your psychic self, mediumship, and so much more. So with that, I'm Sandra Champlain, and I want to thank you for listening to Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
1: And if you like this episode of Shades of the Afterlife, wait until you hear the next one. Thank you for listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.